You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast, a platform that we've created to bring the Nordic community together. My name is Paul Hackett, and I'm your host. So welcome to the uh, Evolution Exchange Podcast, where we'll be discussing work-life balance in the gaming industry. Uh, Let's start off with a round of introductions. So, Johan, would you like to start? Absolutely, I can start. Uh, Hey, everyone. Uh, My name is Johan Tengo. I uh, work as a director of development at Avalanche Studios. Uh, So that means that I'm responsible for the development of our AAA projects uh, that we create together with our our, uh, publishers. Um, Why I think this is a really interesting topic is uh, I actually left the games industry uh, a couple of years ago to, to go and work somewhere else because due to not being able to have work-life balance so it's a very it's a subject that's uh, really close to my heart perfect jacob hey everyone uh my name is jakub zielinski i'm a lead producer in in star studios working with payday 2 live service uh previously i was a, a producer on on cyberpunk 2077 and i think one of the uh why the topic is important to me is is because I I changed the work culture this year drastically, uh, and uh, I think it's, it's it's very important to to talk about it. Uh, what are the advantages and this disadvantages of of both work cultures? Perfect. And uh, Alex. Yeah. Hello, everyone. My name is Alex Kilbasanis. I work as a development director at uh, EA Dice. And the role of the development director is basically to help uh, development teams deliver on time and on quality. So obviously the the, the concept of work-life balance comes into play a lot in, in how we work because we don't want, we want to produce good work, uh, but we don't want to stress uh, the team uh, while doing so. So it's very important to keep both uh, the scope of our ambitions, but also the management of our time in check. Oh, perfect. All right. Well, thank you guys for taking the time to uh, join us today. Uh, let's start off with Jacob's question, which is uh, how do we define work-life balance if someone is heavily invested in the project and how do we spot signs of burnout? Uh, Jacob, do you want to just give some context around there from your personal experience, maybe? Uh- well, I, I think that all of us went for a project that was like very important for, for, for us. And I think every game developer will, will have that on, on, on their path due to different internal motivations, right? Um, it's easy to get into that loop of, of working and working and working. So, and, and, and the work-life balance and the definition of it becomes a little bit blurry. You know, if, you, if you're starting thinking about your work as a, as a, as a part of your life, right? So, so how to define this 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 balance, right? When to say enough, um, and and as a fulfilling, how to spot the signs of burnout, you know, because that's the uh, that's the consequence of, of 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 working extensive hours. So that might help uh, in in identifying the moment where to when to when to stop. Alex, do you want to uh, kick us off here? Yeah, I mean, um, I will start with uh, how you can spot uh, the, the, the dangers of uh, someone working uh, too much. And uh, I believe it, it is 
it really starts with an honest uh, conversation you can have with that person. Um, you can you can compare, I guess, the the way they work uh, in different stages of the project, and you know, okay, are they? Is this like their usual way they work? Are they working like long hours by default almost, and they are they can manage that well, or do you see them, um, you know, spending a lot of time and energy in certain areas and certain periods of of, of the project? Uh, and then you have to, once you you evaluate how they work and what they do, you can also then approach them if you are a lead or, or some sort of person with authority uh, and ask them how they are doing, if they are managing, if they have uh, a lot of work on their plate and so on and so forth. Um, that, usually honest discussions like that are, are the best way to go about it. Some people might say, I'm doing good, no, no matter what, that's something that uh, leads uh, have to to look out for um yeah it's so being proactive is is from my experience the best way to go about it uh and making sure that people don't burn themselves out yeah i, I think it's very important to to help that in, in in those cases people that that you see that they're very much into and and, and they need a little break because in the end the long-term crunch is not good for anybody, to be honest. Uh, especially that your effectiveness drops, right? So it's also not yeah. good for the for the project. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking at um, the distribution of tasks, I think plays a very important factor here. Like even if a person can do a lot of work simply because they are good enough, it that doesn't mean that we have to assign a lot of work on these people uh, because they can handle it. We, we have to approach the distribution, I think, in a fair way. And then if the certain ebbs and flows of development require, so maybe someone can take on a bigger chunk, but that should have a very, very clear uh, time period assigned to it. What about you, Johan? What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I think this is a really, really good question. Um, I think for a lot of people working with games, it's it's not a nine to five job, right? It's a it's our passion. It's what we are. If we don't make games, we play games. Uh, so it's it's like you say, Jacob. It's it's really hard when people get really really invested and and especially um people who really want to deliver their best uh, um, and i've absolutely been in in situations where we've had to basically tell people you have to go home you have to go home you can't stay here anymore um, and force them to go home but at the same time there's a risk that they will become even more stressed when you do so. But because they are so invested in what they do and they want to develop uh, their feature just a little bit more, they want to polish just a little bit more. So it's always tricky. There's always a balance. Um, yeah, um, I, think, I think you just need to help them um, from a production perspective, set clear the deliverables clear what's what's enough what's what's the bar so they can move on to the next task because uh, you can always polish that feature just another hour 
just another hour. Um, so yeah, yeah, it is it is a reoccurring loop. I agree. You know, yeah. I, uh... and when it comes to to spotting uh, signs of burnout, uh, I think it's twofold. You need to have the knowledge uh, what you what you're looking for, and you need to have the time. Uh, so when it comes to the knowledge, I, I know at, at Avalanche, all the lead, leads and, and leaders, they get training uh, in leadership trainings uh, to, to know what, what to look for in, in burnouts. And if we see signs of this happening, we together with uh, uh, our HR managers uh, create a plan. Um, and the second being time, you have, especially now that we're working from home, you need to have time to have one-on-ones with everyone. You need to sit down with them, talk to them, making sure how are you really doing? Uh, because we don't see them on a day-to-day -day basis uh, like we used to. Uh, so, yeah, that's the trick for me. Yeah. All right. So maybe maybe I'll share my thoughts as the as the last one, as it's my question. <laughs> um, I think you know, but because I I had similar thoughts as as you, Johan. You, you I think you had hit the point with the. For us, the games are passion, you know, and uh, as well to stay relevant in the industry, we have to, especially in the leadership positions, be up to date with it. It's and unfortunately, it's not as simple as, as watching a two-hour, three-hour movie. We have to a little bit spend more time in the games that we like. So that 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 is definitely playing the role here. But then when we when we go to to work, um, well, for like for me, the the most important part was that I I have to find that. Okay, the, that that time period when when I'm working on this very important project for me, that will become my life, uh, and and I was I was super committed, I was super devoted. I I don't have any regrets, but uh, I see the the influence that it had on me. For example, um, I I had problems with with keeping my routines, lack of concentration, you know, things being done on minimal effort. Like at the very end, the reoccurring mistakes. So. Uh, I think in the end, it's it's very important to to kind of remember when to say stop, uh, because it's it's very easy uh, to fall into the into the routine. Everybody's different, and everybody's kind of have 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 different capacity. For example, I I know if that I would work weekends, uh, I would never be able to 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 go for a long period of time. That's why weekends were always off for me because of that. But then that made me work on hundred percent capacity during the week, even like late hours during that, but I just had those two days off. And 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 that's why I'm asking those questions because I believe you you, you gentlemen know uh, all about that, all about crunch bur like burnout. But what um, my real intention was maybe to share that story with all the developers that were listening to us as well. And I one thing that I also find interesting if, if you take a designer for example, when are you working? I mean even during the weekends, you're probably thinking about design work or analyzing another game. Isn't that work as well? As leaders, we're usually uh, caught up in problems. And I problem solve like a lot when I'm not at work. And maybe that's even when I do the best uh, problem solving, when I'm, when I'm out, out walking my dog in the woods. Um, so, yeah, um, I think there's a, a, a lot of times where we also... We work, but we don't think about it as work. Um, and that's also something that perhaps will change in the future where we where we do uh, work as well. Because um, it's not just a job to any of you. The line is very blurry, basically. Yes, absolutely. Even when we play games, we always analyze. And yep. the day 
games became a job was the day you started working in the industry, right? You could never yeah. look at the game the same way again. Yeah, true. Uh, I think, yeah, you cannot just play games anymore. You always have to analyze them, right? Yeah. Um, I, I would say, um, yes, the, there is a very creative and passionate element to, to making games. And from my experience, the work that tends to lead to burnout is the kind of like very intense, repetitive, uh, menial work that's maybe also can lead to errors. Uh, we we maybe have a difficult bug to fix with a very short deadline, and and people really need to go into details. They would they would have taken their time otherwise, but because the deadline is so pressing, they they have to to do a lot of analytical and careful thinking in a short period of time. That of course might lead to mistakes, which then creates more work either for the individual who fixed the bug or other people. And um, I, I guess it's important to keep in mind the differences in the work we expect from people. There are there is the creative work and and the analytical work that I guess people are are good at managing even at their own time. And then there is the the work that is a little bit more labor intense and that actually tends to stress and, and burns people out when there's too much of it. I think you're reaching a, a good point as well that a high kind of high tempo and, and, and strong emotions when they come in, you know, tight deadline is definitely a factor that is, is multiplying the overall feeling of the of the of the burnout and can, can add up to add up to that uh, as well, you know. Okay. Do you think that today's society where we are always in, interrupted by mails or Slack, is that contributing? Yeah, if you're asking me, definitely. I, I mean, I am. That's the funny thing. When working from home started, uh, like I thought, well, Comparing with how it was when we were all working in the office, I thought this level of interruption cannot get any worse. And then work from home started, and like, oh, it can get worse. What do I, what do I know? So they, they, yeah, they, I think um, no matter what your job is, whether it's production or or uh, development, programming, whatever it is, uh, these things can cause a lot of stress. And um, I think it's also good for individuals to find their own way around that. Like some people block their calendars and turn off Slack and any sorts of notifications until they get their work done and then go back to them. Others like to combine, be a little bit in check with what's happening while also trying to do a more um, concentrated work. So yeah, I think that's more of how up to the individual to find their way around it. Is that like something you as leaders can help with? Obviously, if you spot people working in a certain way and which is counterproductive to them, isn't that somewhere where you guys can step in, help with time management and how and figure out a solution that works best for those individuals? Yeah, yeah, we, we have tried um, in various teams that have been on. Uh, we have tried creating um, uh, protected times so that uh, there are certain hours 
in the day that are as meeting free and as distraction free as they can be. Um, that uh, the, we, I mean, that works well uh, when it's uh, rolled out across the board. People tend to enjoy that. They tend to like that. Okay, at least there are these hours where I can demand my time. I, um, but uh, then again, there are also certain kinds of jobs that really, really rely on communication. When we don't have communication, we don't know what we are doing. And then this protected time can add stress <laughs> uh, when it's there. Uh, again, I think everyone has to make peace with the fact that there is too much communication going on and find our own ways around. What can definitely help is, is you know, like a personal trainings of, of just time management. This is something I, I had very early in the in the university and, and, and that helped me organize my 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 workplace around that very very well. So when I when I really need my time off, which happens rarely, because I I like those distractions. They they make my day interesting. I'm, I I like multitasking, but when when I need the time to to really focus on something, I just know how to manage that and how to turn turn everything off. So I know that this is my 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 focus now. Yeah, I think so as well. And I mean. At work, we usually have signs over our heads if, if do not disturb signs or um, policies around if I had my headphones on, please don't disturb me. Uh, we've tried things like uh, blocking times as well, where no meeting days, for example, which are more productive. And I think it's really, really important. I'm, I'm really fascinated or fascinated about the whole deep thinking where you do your best uh, problem solving. And that you need to be like really deep down and disconnected from everything else for for quite some time to be able to go down there. And uh, I think that's absolutely something that we suffer from in, in this society. We're never down in the deep thinking zones. Um, but yeah. yeah, interesting concept. I, I I haven't heard about it. Can you share something more about the the deep thinking and how it can help a little bit? Oh, I'm no expert on it. Uh, you should uh, Google it and uh, and see. There's uh, a lot to read about it. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, all right, well, definitely work-life balance and burnout definitely leads very easily into Johan's point that he was going to ask. So he's wanting to have a bit more of a discussion around the crunch and the impacts that it, that has, obviously work-life balance and you know the whens the where's and the why's would it be acceptable if at all so uh yeah do you want to give some more personal context around there and uh, let me know absolutely and and uh, i mean we all know about the dreaded crunch and uh, something that's uh, been around the industry for for uh, quite some time but not only crunch but it's also when it comes to overtime and when is it okay to to still ask for overtime? When can it be a good thing? And and uh, how do we uh, avoid this as well? I think is a good topic to to discuss. Jacob, do you want to kick us off on this one? Well, I, I to to start with, I think that it's important to 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 be fair with all the employees, saying why and what and 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 how long if if to ask for crunch you know they're, they're different um they're different um work cultures or i want to say that you should never ask for that uh, but ideally uh ideally if, if if everything goes well 
uh, I hope that the crunch can be avoided, right? We know that uh, industry prefers a, a little bit different, but uh, that's that's the ideal we should always always struggle for. But then you know things happen, um, and 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 that conversation, in my opinion, should be honest with the team, saying, "Hey, this is this is how long we we need to. This is how much work we have. This is how uh, how much time is left." And maybe ask them as well for for alternatives. And in the end, uh, maybe the managers can ask for crunch. Um, it's not for me to, to judge. I don't want to take a strong stance here. Um, when and when it would be acceptable? Well, definitely for not for for a long period of time. I think right because that in the end leads to um, like to drops in the effectiveness. People don't feel well about it. The anxiety level is rising. Uh, so that if, even if that would be a, like should be a target point in time, saying, "Hey, this month, for example, or like this two weeks, we really need to uh, step down, uh, step up our game, and, and and make sure we can finish this milestone, and then uh, and then have a little bit of, of lead time over or, or, um, later on, right? Uh, so it's it's good to to spot that need early in the project. And even if that, that, that need is, you know, make a, a month of crunch and then six months of normal work. And and again, instead of just saying, okay, we'll see how it's gonna go and we'll try to fix it at the end and, and everything collapses. Um, and, and then it's it's almost impossible to be done and everybody's you know, rushing uh, the, the delivery and the release. Um, yeah. Uh, Johan, could you could you remind me if if I answered all the all the parts of your question, or <laughs> because it was a, a a long one, and and I'm I'm very eager to to share my thoughts, but uh, it was difficult to, to remember. Absolutely. Uh, how do you avoid crunch? Or okay. can you? Well, it's it's difficult to to plan everything out, but through. Through, through buffers and through, uh, through through making time for iterations, uh, I think you can have a. I don't think you can always, in every case, avoid crunch 100%. It's just we're not able to foresee the future. We're not able to foresee everything that that can happen along the road, right? Um, but having in mind, okay, this part of the work, this is risky. It can it can uh, have a have different consequences. Maybe you should just, you know, just for the safety, assign a little bit more time or make it earlier. Um, have a conversation with the team and assess the risk. There, there are different ways. It, it, different, there are different things we can do, but just looking at the scope of work and trying to to position that. Of course, the time for back fix, the the, the buffer on on just human heart. Not everybody. Like we're not working eight hours a day. Like we're working six hours a day, right? So adding all, all those things on top, they really help. Uh, shortening the, the the time, and and the last one. This is not what we like to to say, but maybe sometimes agreeing to uh, just smaller scope and saying, okay, we're not gonna make this feature big. We're gonna have to make it medium, and and, and this is what we have to go with. Uh, but then on the other side, uh, the question is: Is that what the studio wants? Is that the studio's culture? Is is that where we wanna go? Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult conversation. I think it should happen case by case in in those opinions. Um, so yeah, like uh, I'll be honest. If if signing up for Cyberpunk, I for example knew that's going to be a lot of hard work, right? And and you know that. But then when I was joining Starbase, 
it was clear out of the open, no crunch policy. And 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 this is, you know, those are the two different um work cultures. And and if you sign up for, for, for a specific studio and, and and you ask about that and you go you, you get the honest answer, um, well then it's up to you to make that choice in the end, right? Yeah, Alex, what's your thoughts yeah. on that? Some good points there. <laughs> As I was listening to Jacob's answer, I thought the phrase death by a thousand paper cuts. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, this is what, uh, how crunch can, can show up. Uh, it's There are so many factors in play. Uh, I It's like... Maybe you have the the best uh, best like best design documents. Maybe your design is very clear, but you don't estimate it correctly. That can lead to crunch. Maybe you have very good designs and you estimate it and you put buffers, but maybe the structure of the team doesn't allow for like iteration or easy communication. And then again, you're gonna have crunch at the end. And even if you have all that, maybe something like a pandemic happens and you have to find totally new ways to work. And that can also cause delays. There are really many factors that uh, it, will, it, it will be very hard to design around all of them. I think uh, what's very important is an honest assessment of the quality of the product as we go and constantly adjusting scope, plans, features. Like if a feature proves to be very problematic, what do you do as a production team? Do you cut it? Do you po postpone it to live since many games now also have a live component? Um, do you... Do you accept the sunken cost fallacy? It means like you have spent months getting that feature to work and it still is not there. Do you, what do you do? Do you let this work go to waste? Also, when do you make these decisions? Because if these decisions are happening at the very end when, when the deadlines uh, get closer, it is not also great for the team to, to get those piece of news. Um, so yeah. I would say communication is really uh, the best way out of crunch and then collaboration with the teams, clear quality criteria and some mitigation plans. Um, yeah. And again, even if you have all of that, there are going to be factors that might make all this work go to waste and then the team uh, has to crunch. Johan, thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, first, I, I I must say I, I I don't believe in crunch. I don't believe in the big crunches uh, that we've had in the industry for for quite some time. I think we do uh, a poor job during crunch. I think we get more bugs. We do we take poor decisions because we are tired. Um, I think there's a difference in forced overtime and volunteer overtime. Um, absolutely, and crunch going to the forced overtime category. At my time at Avalanche, I've never called for forced overtime, ever. Uh, we have called for volunteer overtime, and when it comes to volunteer overtime, I think it should always be paid overtime because it needs to hurt us. It needs to, to be a cost, 
uh, to the project and to the company because it is a failure. Every time we go into an overtime situation, it's a failure. Um, no, not every time. 90% of the time. <laughs> 90%. I'll, I'll settle there. Um, I, uh, yeah, it needs to be paid and it needs to be a clear goal what you want to achieve and it needs to be for a very limited amount of time. Uh, that's where I'm coming from. I think it can still be a tool, let's say between alpha and beta, where you need to raise the quality a little bit extra. The little uh, the effort you put in will raise the quality. You will get less uh, uh, pestering bugs. You will polish that character, just that that little extra that makes it sparks. Uh, um, I believe in that because the team sees that and they really, you, you know, you can gather around it, you can see it uh, come together and really be uh, coming up a couple of notches. Um, that it can, that's where it can actually work. Um, but yeah, I think every time we head into, no, in the 90%, it's due to us failing in planning. It's planning, it's, we are overscoping or we're feature creeping. Usually, uh, that's what it, what it is about. And uh, you have to kill your darlings early. Um, we usually say that, right? Uh, but that is so true. You have to kill your darlings early, the features that we cling on to uh, that will cost you an extra 100, 200 hours, and they still won't work in the end. If you would have caught that uh, uh, or cut that early on, uh, we could have spent those 200 hours elsewhere. Yeah. Any more thoughts on that one? No, it's a big topic. I mean, you know, there's some definitely some strong opinions and potentially some hesitance into carrying on speaking about it. But, you know, you've all raised some decent points. Is there anything else you guys would like to add around that? Yeah, I mean, I would say how early is early <laughs> is there <laughs> is there a good way to evaluate it i mean because there are the milestones right alpha beta and yep. these milestones have been there for ages and the industry is still struggling with uh, these kind of creative decisions and getting things back into scope so why is that why is it this way but isn't that like if we take Agile, for example, where you have your backlog and and uh, you don't you don't finish your user story, you put it back to the backlog and then you plan it in the next round, right? So that that that's where you actually make a decision about the feature or the or the or the task to actually continue to work on it. While in production, where we are usually on a more waterfall approach, we just keep pushing everything. A feature, it gets, it doesn't get done in time. We just extend it, but we don't look to to the consequences that that it has to the whole puzzle. Or, well, we probably look at it, but yeah, we we kind of okay, but we we need everything else as well. Right? Yeah. So we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna take care of that uh, right now. We we have to to do something else to get it in, and that means overtime. Um, I think the other point is as well where where we push the features not not around the loop for the player, but as fast as they are progressing. And sometimes things on one side of the, on one team can move forward. 
uh, for example, let's say in gameplay that you moves forward, but the but the design wasn't ready for that, and they changed the assumptions of something, and 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 that has the influence, right? This this is this is the lost time because we have to redo the work. It's a very simple example, but it happens on the on a very team to team level, but it happens as well on the department level, you know, uh, between the gameplay team, like the whole gameplay team and the whole world team or level art team, right? So I think the that that is the result as well of 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 having different different elements being built in in a different time, uh, and and what I saw as well is that sometimes the the things are happening not in in cooperation, you know, mm. and and just when they land in the game, it turns out that you know we try to to match a triangle with a circle and and they don't add up. I I can definitely agree to it. I mean. It's um, the silos are for me uh, one of the trickiest uh, uh, things, and that can lead to crunch. And not because no one is working, not working hard, but uh, just the fact that we are not working smart, I guess, <laughs> comes back to haunt us at the end of the project when, as you said, Jacob, we put things together and we still don't have the experience that we try to build uh, with the game. Um, yeah, and um, uh, that's why I uh, sorry, don't want to interrupt. Uh, yeah, no, no worries. I'm just uh, I was gonna make a rhetorical <laughs> question that uh, it's hard when you have a big team and uh, AAA game development does require very big number of people to not have silos at this scale. Mm. Yeah, that's true. The, the bigger the team, the, the, the more difficult is the, the communication part, right? Yeah. Uh, but it as well puts a more more communication burden on the on the leadership team, uh, because in the end, that a lot of the decisions are happening on, on on like especially the bigger ones, those that are le leading to the biggest crunch are happening on the on the leadership level. Um, so th that's why it's very important that the leadership is very very tight and they they build the experience together, and that's what I wanted to say that in my opinion like building the game we should start from really building the, the experience you want to you want to achieve and and doing that prototyping phase where all the teams are contributing really shows you a lot of a lot of things you didn't think about and and that in my opinion what the what the prototype phase is for uh the the first kind of first core loop that you build like i don't know a vertical slice or however the proof of concept however however anybody wants to call it where those things show up and, and and you start polishing those things and you see and you see okay here we have a problem here we have a problem and then you go into 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 production with the minds of solving those problems and building more more content and then during beta as johan said you can polish it out well one thing that i think is important as well when it comes to um, the estimates you know, everyone hates when we come and we ask them for estimates and you have to estimate your work again. And you just have to try to explain it's 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 not for me that I'm asking for the estimates, it's actually for you. Because if I get correct estimates or as correct as I can, I can plan this out so we don't have to do over time. If you just say five hours and it's gonna take 15, yeah, well, that's, then we're gonna have a problem. Uh, so that's why it's really important as, uh, to give good estimates and, and actually do the due diligence around that as well. Uh, but I was actually thinking of another topic because uh, uh, when it comes to crunch is uh, a hot topic today has become 
when it comes to our um, um, when we outsource work, how do we prevent those companies from doing doing overtime as well? And that's something that's coming up more and more and where we have uh, started to incorporate into our contracts that uh, we don't want companies working overtime when they are working for us. But it's also very, very hard making sure that they are following those. Have you done something similar? Do you know? Well, it, part of our, our culture was to to us well not to have crunch in Starbase. And and yes, we have such a contract, but it's it's a little bit easier. We have that contract with um with the quality assurance team, right? So so they can just stop the work at some point and and and, and go home. But I, I agree it's very important. One of the things that 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 happens is is that having a, a good brief from the from the like the main studio side, right? So if, if I'm the client of the outsource company, I should deliver as good brief as possible. And that's in my opinion how I could personally help uh in in solving this 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 problem, making sure they know what's the scope and they know what to do. And they they as well have a and and if we estimate that for like four weeks of work, uh we don't you know give them free, right? Uh like at least give them the same amount of work as our our specialists would would work on that, and maybe a little bit more because they some people might be new to the to the scope. From my experience, what has worked well at outsourcing? What does this mean? I mean, for it's just more people in your team, and so I've, what I've seen worked well is. Whether it's a, a team that is under the same company as you, but maybe different studios, and or whether it is a team that is an entirely different company altogether, if you treat those people as part of of a group that the same way you would treat any any other group in the studio and consider like part of the team, the same skills apply, like communicate with them frequently, let them know, uh, like evaluate the quality of their deliverable together, uh, make adjustments on the deliverable as you go. Um, uh, I don't, I at least from my experience, I don't know how anyone can enforce a team that they don't have visibility into, how not to crunch. Uh, but um, if if you, I guess if if the way you interact with them does not put them in this awkward position to to make miracles happen in a very small amount of time, they will also hopefully get the message and be like, okay, we, we don't have to crunch here. We just need to communicate with the other team, the the client. Let's put it in quotation marks. Um, and and as long as we communicate and we work together through the problems we are facing, hopefully, then we will also end up with a, a result that we don't have to crunch for. Mm. Very good. Now, one thing that you did say about giving estimations, don't you? You know, the gaming industry is renowned for having quite a lot of people with egos in it. So do you think it's people over-promising and under-delivering in a lot of scenarios, which can cause crunches to happen later down the line? I wouldn't say so right now. Um, I'd say more, it's more people don't understand why they need to give the estimates. Uh, they think it's just for the producer to come and ask for a number. 
they don't think that it's important. Um, maybe it is for the sprint, but I mean, it's so much bigger than that uh, to me. To me, uh, a good project where you estimate maybe on a point level when it comes to bigger features and then break it down into tasks and you do the whole uh, hour situation. The points are, are really like, that's where we need to, to have the portfolio or the the roadmap of the project going forward that's what's really really important and comparing uh, having a good um, velocity knowing your velocity every team to know your velocity is key and it's really really hard uh, unless you're quite strict about it uh, estimations and and pulling out the velocity uh, but it's very much needed because we are protecting the teams I 100% agree that it's, it's it's very much needed. Uh, sometimes what happens is that that we can as well spend a little bit mu too much time on, on the velocity and estimation and overall planning and understanding, etc. And and sometimes the teams can drop into that loop and they stop pushing really the, the, the work forward. It, it happened in, in my career a couple of times that there was so much about, okay, we have to now deliver the good estimate and and and, and, and think about everything that they went into this kind of state of paralysis because there, there are so many risks that will throw the estimate out through the roof, but they have a low chance of happening, but they, they, they can focus on that. So I think it's as well a, a important factor as well to maybe uh, uh, let them do, do the work. And I'm not trying to oppose what you what you said, Johan. I'm trying to just say that this is like that thing can happen, you know? Absolutely. What Johan said about velocity, I think, will help a team out of this analysis paralysis that you described <laughs> because the estimates are not there so that we can then waterfall the whole thing. <laughs> the estimates are there just to make like some sort of sane scoping, but then that's where the velocity then comes in. And hopefully we look at the velocity frequently and we also adjust the plan accordingly. So maybe you gave an estimate of five days and it took you 10 days to deliver it. That's not the issue. The, the problem is not that you said it was gonna take five days. The problem is, do we have the room to cut that 50% from somewhere else to allow then the team to, and, and for for things to to develop normally and yeah the, I, sometimes that's not the case and um, you see the velocity the numbers are there and everyone is just hoping it will get better over time <laughs> uh we we yeah that that is not the way to go obviously and, and i mean production's uh, main responsibility is always showing the creative side this is the line this is where we are at this much we can do. And when we know the velocity, we also know where that line is. Uh, but that's super important that we always go show them, this is where we are at right now. We need to take a decision. No, oh, perfect. And then, yeah, some obviously great points on the crunch. We could talk about this for hours. However, you know, want to get Alex's question in as well, which is how can we assess and, and appreciate uh, employees' hard work based on multiple factors, not just their inputs or time? So really good one for any leaders listening in to maybe take some things away from this. Uh, Johan, do you want to kick us off on this one? 
had a bit of a problem really with this, Alex. Uh, <laughs> I can so explain. Like... <laughs> oh yeah, of course, Alex. I... Give some uh, context yeah. around it first. Sorry. Yeah, well, we I think we touched it, especially in the beginning of the discussion, that the game development is such a passionate job and, and many people devote hours to it almost by goodwill. No one is forcing them to crunch. And so people are excited. They start working. They put a lot of hours in. As a result of that, they can over-deliver. And there is this, if enough people do that over time, uh, the, you create this culture in the team where it's like you put in the hours, you do good work, everyone loves you. Um, and um, on one hand, you that's amazing, I guess. Like, of course, we all want to work with people who are passionate and, and engaging and, and do good stuff, but it can, uh, it can create a culture uh, that leads to crunch and uh, crunch for me and the lack of work-life balance in game that can come from peer pressure a lot. So the, the question is, how could we maybe look out for that? And how, how do we not stop it? Because I guess you cannot stop passionate people from doing what they do, but um, not encourage it in indirect ways. And also in expl more explicitly with the way you reward and review uh, people. Absolutely, and I mean, now we're talking about if, if that is in your culture, you need to change your culture. And changing culture is hard and it takes a long time. And I think where it needs to start, it needs to start from the top. You as leaders or we, we as leaders, especially the higher up you are, we're beacons. Everything we do is, projected to everyone else. If I'm working late, everyone underneath me will will uh, think that that's the culture, right? Uh, and if I always send mails at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., everyone will think, okay, that's that's the way we have to do it. So understanding we, we're a beacon, we have to live as we learn. Uh, if, if we want to have work-life balance, Everyone at the company needs to to obey by this. The CEO, the F, uh, all the C levels, all the producers, everyone, uh, or we can't we can't change the culture. Um, and when it comes to other appreciating other values, I think I appreciate a lot uh, softer values um, for that we can't measure. For example, like. Um, uh, a senior person taking juniors under their wings and training them. I really appreciate that, but you can't see that in the time or the effort, but that's absolutely something that I think you should you should appreciate or um, contributions in meetings, for example. Also things that we don't measure, but you can really appreciate when, when someone is being creative and contributing to meetings. Um, uh, what else? Peer reviews, uh, proactivity is another one that I, I personally really, really enjoy. Uh, uh, and I really want to appreciate when, when people are proactive. Um, yeah, is that a good start? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think it's a great one. But to to what you what you Alex mentioned uh, about uh, what we're doing, I think Johan catched a very good point about uh, work culture. Um, 
but if if the studio is on a on a brink, let's say, you know, there is some okay, we we do over time, but we don't. So that that culture is not set that there is a a crunch or or or, or a long time. Um, I think it's it's as well sometimes a, a a good question from from anybody in the room. Hey, what are we doing? Is is that a good track? Because it's very easy to to fall into that lope of hey, this is the plan, so let's execute on the plan, and then things go sideways. We have invested very little time, even if we invested maybe a little bit more. A question of saying, "Hey, are we doing the good thing?" is is always on on spot. And and I, I in my career, I had many times when when we're working with the team, we're almost you know ready and we're planning this this amount of days of work, and the question comes in, "Hey, what about this? Right? Is is that a good good direction?" And everybody's sits and it's like okay no maybe let's 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 scratch it you know and we scratched it and 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 the games were released and they're good and they're they're fun you know so um i really appreciate that when the when the when somebody has this um critical thinking towards what is happening right uh, a lot of the uh, being collaborative um partaking in our planning Working with estimates—that's as well very, very important thing. Uh, how how do you motivate your colleagues? What is the what is the work culture that that you kind of present with yourself? You know, are you doing your duties or or you have to be asked six times to do one simple thing which you don't want to do? Well, everybody has things he doesn't like doing, you know. Uh, but how to appreciate those people? I think that's the that's the important part of your question, in my opinion. Uh, and. And I think the most important part, as with all of the relations, is is showing the trust and uh, giving giving specialists more freedom, giving them free hand, a lot of decision making, uh, up to a point that you you can even just make a role just for them. You know, if they are excelling in one field, that is between two different roles. Just just make a role for them. Make it official. Change their title and, and solidify their their uh, w- w- what they're doing, um, and that goes with listening to their needs, right? Coming and asking, "Hey, is this what you want to do? Are you happy with what you're doing? You're doing such a great job, you know. Maybe you want to have this position." And uh, yeah, ad- adjusting the processes afterwards to that position or to this person, saying, "Well." This is how we work now. We see you can have a valuable input. Let's let's put you into the process when you will have uh, decision making in the in, in, in that kind of feature. Um, I think what's very important as well is to is to showing the idea about the game, about the strategy, uh, and making them feel a part of something bigger. That goes for everybody overall. I think this is what we should do for for employees, making them feel a part of something bigger and showing, hey, at the end of this road, this is what we're doing. And and, and sharing the idea that is about the game. Yeah, I think that more or less is is it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, thank you for for your input. And to answer my own question, <laughs> um, the, uh, it was re- what both Johan and you, Jacob, uh, touched upon it. It's, um, the, I think the leadership behavior can make a big difference here, both of whether they themselves work over time, but also when they um, 
give the example of like adjusting scope depending on, on how things go. And uh, so if a feature is not turning out great, if it is the leader of, or the lead producer who actually steps up and says, no, we don't need to do this anymore, or let's uh, focus on something else. I, I think that can give such a good example to the team. Uh, I've seen it happen myself. I felt very lucky about it. And uh, it, it, I think it also gives a message of to everyone, like it's not necessarily the time you invest in it. It's also the quality. It's, it's how you, you take care of, of coming together in the game as an experience. There are probably many, many uh, small things that each one of us can do that communicates this message that to colleagues, leaders, and any subordinates there might be. Um, yeah, really, really good food for thought. And also, I mean, as leaders, we uh, we have to to say that that's not an acceptable behavior. Well, yeah. well, or talk to people when, if someone, for example, is coolifying, uh, working late, or uh, we have to say no, that it isn't cool. It is. Yeah that's not the the company that we want we want the company to be like this um so that's also an important task for the leaders yeah absolutely yep some really good points made there in terms of other ways that you can appreciate employees how not just on the inputs and the time that they put in would you say there are any other things that you guys have noticed at all within the companies that you've worked in or just general insights that you've had? I will also underline what Johan mentioned before, because I've seen that also in my experience, uh, calling out good estimates or or people who contribute to meetings or people who like do things in a maybe better way than was expected of them. It really gives a, a good example of there are other ways to excel at your at your job role, not just how much time you put into it. Oh, fantastic. Just like to thank you all, uh, for getting involved and you know sharing your experiences on a very important topic. So thank you so much.